Can anyone catch them, do you think? Uh, yes, of course. As unbelievable as it sounds, this is another Arsenal podcast that is the Away Gunners podcast. We bring news and reaction from Arsenal fans from all over the world. On this episode of the Away Gunners podcast, me, Arun, Ellen and Bob get together to discuss about the Arsenal players from the past, the three most famous ones, Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp and Tony Adams. We discuss in great detail about the past matches, the players' influence and much more. At the end of the pod, we also discuss about the upcoming fixture against Leeds United. Do check out. everyone welcome to another episode of the away gunners podcast uh, we've got the whole gang back together uh, hi arun hi bob hi ellen welcome back hi picasso hi hey, arun guys. hi bob so we've had like one of the worst or the one of the saddest part uh, the last time that we recorded uh, after the defeat to aston villa so i thought maybe we could do something like something happier like go back in the memory lane and do like uh how we started following arsenal and about our best like favorite players and stuff like that in this part before going on to talk about like the uh leeds game so uh let me ta- uh, let me ask you guys this question like how did you get to following arsenal because we are not from north london we don't we are not from uh you know uh footballing families and certainly not from a region where football is like really famous so how do you guys who who's the actual oldest follower of arsenal probably bob i guess uh <laughs> i don't really know if, if if i'm the oldest amongst uh, us here um, but i started following arsenal maybe uh, by around 1995 96 that was the first season that i started following um i don't know that's when um, that was the year when we had the you know what we call the cable tv installed mm-hmm. in our home and then you know we started getting all these uh, star sports and everything mm-hmm. um and perhaps uh, i i've seen and followed very little football before that but so i don't know i just started watching not really keen i didn't know um, most of the stuff i still don't know many of the things by the way but yeah um that was the season that i started following arsenal okay how about um, you ellen how it came across... oh sorry yeah go ahead go ahead go ahead go ahead no no sorry i did more more yeah, yeah. more on how i settled arsenal perhaps uh, that was not the, that was not the year when i really saw arsenal as a team um my allegiance has turned towards them um by 98 um you know uh, the year that we won the double mm-hmm. um so that was actually when i really had a liking towards them but before then i was sort of neutral watching so many games and all those sort of things <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, how about you alan uh, what's your story uh it 
started in the year 1994 that was the first time i started seeing uh, football like the 94 world cup uh, two players were like favorite uh, for me during that time one was like uh, roberto baggio and the other one was like the great maradona but maradona had some controversies in that uh, world cup and like argentina failed but uh, argentina became one of my favorite teams and huh. what happened in 98 was like i was like supporting argentina dennis bergkamp and, dennis uh, bergkamp you had that one big moment yeah <laughs> the dennis bergkamp goal uh, made me like a huge fan of uh, him and like through him like i started following arsenal uh, though like you can say like i started uh, following in the 98 99 season but like as a big fan or kind of thing you can say it was around 2000 like mm-hmm. uh, after andre uh, also like uh, joined us and like andre uh, was like uh, one of the biggest players in the 98 world cup along with zidane when france won it uh, so like uh, i started liking him also from that world cup and like once both of them joined i started following arsenal much more uh, in a like a proper fan based uh, following okay arun about you my story is very similar you know like being a, a, a someone who grew up in the 90s uh, that's when like you know india opened up and we we got this like bob said you know the cable tv the satellite television and till uh, for me really the first the first memory of me actually watching a football match was the 98 world cup you know till then was like always an overdose of cricket not that i don't like cricket you know till then like any other typical indian child i was following cricket Uh, until i saw um, th- this guy called dennis beckham you know control the ball as a 70 yard pass control it and, and and bring it down like it was nothing you know like those are the kind of things that you as a kid would want to emulate and try out at least once in your life and you get it you can consider yourself like you know you're, you're done that that's it you don't have to do anything more in life and this guy was doing it so easily did you do it um, <laughs> once me, in your life uh, Well, I tried once or twice, and both the times I ended uh, with my butt on the floor. So it's not something that I ever tried since then, you know. So um, so just just like watching him, it was it was magnificent what he was doing in that game. Like uh, outside of maybe like you know uh, Raúl González, uh, and since Ronaldo was like uh, everywhere during that time, the '98 World Cup was like Ronaldo was everywhere. The the original phenomenon. so outside of these players um, my knowledge about football was very limited it was all like what i i i heard from my dad he was a very passionate um, football fan at least during those times and it was like through him that i heard about like valrama uh, maradona uh, roberto di baggio and all these guys you know so when i when i saw this person it was something very different i i'd never seen anything like that before throughout the world cup so it it made me get really interested in like knowing more about the player first you know more than anything and the more i got to know about him i realized that he was actually playing for arsenal so it was just initially you know like i wasn't i wouldn't call myself like a fan at 98 or 99 in fact even in 99 uh, there was there was uh, united winning the treble uh, and in, in in 2000 like especially for us people for our generation like in the entire 2000 2000 was probably the only thing that we remember is that india australia test cricket series you know i know <laughs> so even all this the way in which i actually became a fan and really started following the games was 2000 2001 you know that was the time when i was going to high school and there were fans of a lot of other clubs too uh, especially like you know that was the time when we had uh, vanish law he was coming yeah. and everything yeah. 
So there were a lot of fans, and that when actually it began, like you know, Kanker, okay, this is my club. This is this is I have to support this club. You know, that that's where like United and Tottenham became like the big enemies, and it's been <laughs> like twenty years. It stayed on since then. That's cool. That's cool. My story is like a little bit different. Ninety-eight, uh, yeah, I started watching football, but I was like eleven years old, ten, uh, eleven years old, so I didn't understand much of it. But I had a friend who was an Anglo-Indian. and his granddad was from north london so he was a really really big influence so he, we used to sit together and like he used to teach his grandkids but then like obviously since i was there i started picking that up and and then by the time the 2002 came around yeah i was i was thrown through arsenal so it was a simpler story but yeah that that person uh, i have to thank for for most of the good things and some bad things with arsenal yeah so uh let's get uh, get the pod moving uh, so i thought we would pick up our favorite players and we would discuss about them and the memories re- related to them so um who are our be- our favorite players like let me start with ellen ellen who who do you think are your favorite arsenal players so oh, the list is uh, huge but like if you want me to just say a single person i'll go with uh, andre mm yeah the the greatest <laughs> so before before uh, we get to st- uh, start talking about like uh, what ellen's why he is ellen's favorite player do you guys have any other like any other player whom you could consider the best ever arsenal player apart from andre like the can we all agree think, that andre was No, yeah, but- no. Apart from Henry, every one of us, uh, when we when we mentioned about how we really got into Arsenal, everyone unanimously mentioned one name. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. but but, yeah. but that is favorite. But what I'm asking is like, uh, can we say Henry as the best Arsenal player ever? That's the question I was asking. Maybe like of the Arsenal that I've seen, he's probably mm-hmm. the most prolific. I would say. Mm-hmm. you take the results and that puts him like way ahead of anyone else you know yeah. so mm-hmm. in that sense yeah definitely he's probably the best player um in the arsenal that i've seen so far so ellen uh, what what makes you choose andre like tell us the story okay so it might be like a coincidence to like as i said right like we st- i started uh, following arsenal uh, passionately from 2000 2001 and like uh, that was the peak period for adri like uh, he was like uh, continuously like scoring goals and doing assists and like uh, it continued like uh, so uh, that was the one reason why i am saying him see bergam for all his class right he cannot travel uh, because of his fear of flights like uh, so he cannot travel much and because of which like you didn't see him much compared to say hundred uh, and like uh, there are like many uh, matches like which are memorable to me and most of those matches right hundred was the person who would have excelled that all these like added as a factor i haven't watched tony adams much maybe like uh, if i had watched him like i might have liked him but like uh, i haven't watched him much so out of the players i watched right like uh, i like hundred more so but but do you guys remember andre's uh, uh when we signed him or like his debut like because you guys started following him much ahead of me i don't remember him signing i remember like because i started 
watching and I went back and watched and I was, like I said, I had a person who was explaining me this whole thing. So I got the history of it, but what was it when he signed? Was he was he was he was not doing well when he came back, and uh, Arsene kind of brought him, especially after you know Anelka's season. We brought Anelka. We sold Anelka, and then we got Andre. Yeah, so, that is true. Like at that time, like Wenger had that knack, like get a striker like uh, and make them to be world class and sell them for youth. Like he had that knack and. Uh, See, one other uh, interesting aspect, like this was again, like after uh, going back only, I found it out. Andre's very first senior game, right, in a club level was under Arsene Wenger. Yeah, yeah. Like uh, in 1994, like uh, he played for Monaco, like, Monaco, but that was under Arsene Wenger. Yeah. And like he had a good career in uh, Monaco as a winger. But like if you see like Arsene Wenger's statement later, like uh, he started him and wing because he thought like with the space he can trouble the fullbacks more. But at that time itself, like, he had that uh, idea that he should be a striker and not a winger, which mm. he implemented in uh, Arsenal uh, later. But like, uh, see, to be honest, like we were lucky to get Andre at that time. Like Andre was at peak of '98 World Cup, like, and he went to Juventus. That he had uh, issues with the Juventus director because of which, like, he wanted to move, and we actually got him. So mm. we were lucky to get him, like, uh, in the time, like, when we got him. And after that, like, rest is history. Like, uh, Wenger moved in from left wing to striker because we have sold Anelka and we needed a striker too. So, he remembered all the old things and he got him and he moved him as striker. And he was, like, the first eight games, like, he didn't score at all. And mm-hmm. uh, naturally, there were a lot of critics because you are playing a winger as a striker. As well as, like, he's replacing Anelka, who was, like, having a dream season with us uh, the previous year. So... All those were happening, but like at the end of the first year, if you see, right, he had scored around 26 goals. So, the oh. critics were like silenced uh, very late. And uh, we were like, uh, that was also the season where like we went to like a final of a UEFA Cup. Mm, not the yeah. Europe, like the Europa League, whatever we are saying now. It used to be like UEFA Cup at that time. Like, and we went to the final and we lost it out. And mm. we also like, uh, was like second to United. Like, at the time, mostly it was like, between Arsenal United, United, yeah. United, who was like first and second. It was like that. So, his first two seasons were like that. And the third season, like uh, when I started following passionately also. Because like, see, it is again like the age group and like uh, going into schools and other areas where we see like a lot of teams saying that like, uh, as Arun rightly pointed out, that was the reason why I said I'll take uh, Arsenal too because I have Bergamp and Andre playing there. Mm-hmm. So that is how, like, I also selected Arsenal at that time, and uh, that was actually a turning point season too because we did the double in that season. Like, we won yeah. both the league as well as like uh, we won the FA Cup. So, and like within like couple of years, like we again did the Invincibles, like which was like a very surprising <laughs> or like unknown at that time. Like, if you ask now, like uh, after that, really we know in the past like one team has done it kind of thing, but like when we did it, right, like. Uh, it was like uh, an achievement which nobody was uh, thinking about. Uh, and even if you see the later half, right, like say uh, when Chelsea started uh, winning, no, like yeah. after the uh, uh, involvement, uh, yeah, Mourinho period, Patrick Vieira left us and it was given to like uh, Andre to take the team to the next level. And he, in fact, brought us like uh, to the Champions League final too, like. Uh, and with a team like we had that time, right, to see that kind of a defensive record in Champions League uh, 
was like really amazing and like there are a lot of other moments to like say the inter milan victory or like uh, you can say n number of things uh. and so, maybe like i think uh, the 2001 uh, 2000 2001 season is the one where he scored that goal against united like he will be standing on the back and he will just turn and, like, and shoot uh, yeah score, like, that's a great goal and right? that was like as i said when you see uh, very first season you see like something like that very first season when i meant as like as a fan and like with complete passion when you see and you see that you actually become a fan of that player Hmm. Actually, uh, you touched upon uh, you actually touched upon the question I was about to ask, right? Be- uh, because I was thinking of, of what would be your favorite Thierry Henry moment? Because he has done so much. He has done so much. It's not about the goals. He does so much on the pitch. He does so much off the pitch. He's such an arrogant character. Arun, uh, you you would agree to it, right? Even now, when he's playing, uh, when he's coaching Montreal. he's still the same he's that kind of you know forceable personality who would just be like i'm the best so what is your favorite uh, theory on re moment yeah there's a word called yeah you know there's a word called swagger you know uh, swagger <laughs> is uh, you know you you carry it uh, yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. you cannot associate that word with every player i don't i think maybe the closest person playing right now for to you know like to whom you can attribute that word swagger is abameyang but even then it's in the way he plays but not like you know the results are not the same mm-hmm. for a second day, arun uh, for a second i was just uh, holding my breath to hear that if you are going to say about pepe <laughs> no not pepe he's not there eventually eventually you know eventually give him some time and he'll get there <laughs> But uh, but Arun, so, I'm yeah. going to hold you up to the moment. Yeah, sure. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Talk yeah. about so uh, so so in terms of like you know when you talk about like the swagger and um, he only I cannot think beyond only like think I I am I'm not even like I'm I'm struggling for names you know like of all the 20 years of football that I've seen I'm I'm really struggling for 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 names. He made football cool. He made football so fashionable. You know the stuff that he did. when he came on the pitch it seemed like it was a man against you know like that entire invincible squad was like towering they were amazing personalities but this guy it was like when he came in it seemed like what am i doing in a pitch filled with boys you know i should be playing with men that was a sort of swagger the arrogance that he carried you know you said it correctly um the arrogance that he displayed on pitch the confidence that he had um and he backed himself like no one else ever would you know like back themselves to to do the things that he did some of the things that he did were were atrocious like the ellen said like the goal that he scored against united like you would hardly expect any player to do that now <laughs> uh, you know like the, the, the goals that he scored against west ham when he took the ball on his like you know a tie three times three touches and, and then it's a goal like dude come on who scores goals like that you know it's it's actually the, the actually i think transformed actually i think nigel winterburn uh, i think he mentions that uh, when andre arrived he everyone at the training ground thought that he could not score because he couldn't hit a barn door that's why it took eight games for him to get his sights in but then once he started scoring what a what a once player the gate opens there was there was never never any stopping that you know like yeah. he's 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 probably given me the uh, you know like burkham is a different class you you appreciate that as like you know a, a thing of art a thing of beauty uh, you don't expect burkham to do 
things like what Andre did against Tottenham, you know, like that entire crossfield goal, uh, or like you know, another crossfield, he runs the entire length of the field and he scores. Or like the goal against Liverpool in the invincible season where we went 4-2, you know, like these are pure adrenaline moments, you know, like these are pure, it, it's, it's a rush of joy. It's, it's like, you don't really want to like take a step back and appreciate you're like, you want to revel in that moment, you know. So that's the kind of impact that Andre had on me uh, as a fan while I was watching his game. Like, I, I didn't stop following him after he left Arsenal. You know, like I normally don't do that for a lot of players. Like I, once you leave, I, I thank you, goodbye. You know, that's it for me for a player. I followed him through Barcelona. He was amazing at Barcelona. Like the the, the things that he did there. And then I followed him when he came to the MLS, uh, the Red Bulls. Insane. Some of the things that he did, man, like the, the, the class he was, of course, you know, like for a guy like Andre, even if he's 38, MLS is like, a, you know, like a farmer's league if you can call that. Then back then, 34 or something, he came in and he, you know, like Beckham did a lot for the MLS, but Andre, when he came in, the, the swagger that he bought and the results that he backed them up with, you know, it wasn't like Beckham known for his free kicks. Andre was a complete package, you know, as a striker, I would go as far as to say that he's probably the best striker that we've had in the Premier League so far. You could name Alan Shearer, you can nah. name, you can even argue that. Lampard has more goals and all that shit, but Andre, the, the things that he did in the time that he did, um, unbelievable. Against, against the oppositions that he did, he tore the exactly. United side. You, he tore the like the the Galacticos. He tore open the AC Milan side. That was great. But um, but uh, for me, add one more one more point. All you know, the prices on Henry here. It was just quite fitting that we are talking about Henry when we've got a game against Leeds coming up because nobody <laughs> has destroyed Leeds more than what Henry has. He, even uh, when he came back, back. Even yeah, in his comeback, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's, what, so... that's what I was about to add. Like, uh, when, when Arun said, right, like, uh, he doesn't follow players, but he followed Henry. Arsene Wenger doesn't give chances back to his ex-players when yeah. they leave him in the middle. But he gave chance to end Henry too. It's it's not just like uh, it was just not a chance. He, he scored on both the games. Like the game that he came in, he scored against Leeds, and when he went back, I think it was against Sunderland. I think he scored the last goal too. Uh, actually, Arun stole my my favorite Andre moment, which was that Liverpool game, where the four two that we win. Uh, I think that week was really bad for Arsenal. We lost against Chelsea in the Champions League, and then we lost in FA Cup, and we were. We were in the losing streak and our whole invincible thing was under under jeopardy. And then Andre being Andre just scores that entire solo goal by himself. But um, I want to ask Bob about the, 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 the allegations. You know, Mourinho said about Andre that he doesn't score in big games. You remember that? Mourinho said like Andre doesn't score in big games. And then Andre had to score two against them and then say... Well, Chelsea must not be a big big team, so I scored two, so they must not be a big team. But the but the biggest game of all, which is the Champions League final, right? That was a very he missed that missed that goal. I I can see you shaking your head for the Champions League final, uh, but it was it was a game that was actually written for Andre. The final was in Paris. 
against the team Barcelona who was trying to get him for so long. So what what was your emotion during that time, Bob? And time time and again you keep bringing me back to that <laughs> saddest moment as an Arsenal fan. Um honestly that was a moment which I wish to forget from my memory all the time, all the time. I don't know what really happened but then you know it was ours for the taking that came really I don't know how we went on to lose that I still can't I I, I won't I won't with uh, agree with many of the things which happened that day like the offside goal or the red card I mean it was just so so crazy even to talk about maybe momentary lapse of conversation uh, concentration you could say um that was the only reason as to why he he, he would have missed that goal if not for that it was it was probably or it was going to be your greatest ever moment um nothing could have even come closer to that you know our team was almost on the high we were we were almost on the verge of changing guards with with us moving towards emirates and then you know um it was imminent that players were going to be sold although nothing was actually much revealed outside to the media and all those things there was an internal distance that in order to sustain the club at the top level and there was going to be a transition phase and perhaps the last thing that could have happened for that team was actually a champions league trophy a european trophy which which we had long dream for but has never happened uh, so far in our history um and and yet yeah still still in my saddest moment as an arsenal fan um nothing would even come closer to that yeah it is for everyone of us i think uh, and i that marked the end of uh, andre too uh, he mentioned himself that that loss is the reason that he left arsenal so well that's enough andre i think we have to move on to uh, the next person so uh, uh, i'll i'll stick with you bob so who who is your favorite arsenal player as i mentioned earlier one one name which actually was stuck in our lips when we when we mentioned first thing about arsenal i mean which is not henry is by the way dennis burkham um argentina's goal was actually a turning point in what i saw in him i didn't know many of these players are half my half their names didn't even you know come properly in my mouth um so um but the goal that he scored against Argentina that was outrageous seriously the whole the whole world was watching and then it was actually the quarter final i think so, um it the, 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 he changed the dynamics of what argentina were actually you know doing in the game and then he actually took the game away from them it it was almost a single handed effort in in trying to win the game perhaps the greatest ever goals um to be scored in a world cup against such an important team at that point in time and um, and and bob actually there is one more thing about that goal uh, which is that is the goal that broke the dutch scoring record he, yes he, he scored that it. goal yeah. to <laughs> break the dutch scoring <laughs> record the audacity yeah, of him to take that uh, take that touch and score like that touch right there that's tennis burkamp um in the initial years of um arsene's uh, tenure at arsenal people would mostly attribute to him signing burkamp which they, which they go horribly wrong because burkamp was a signing made by our bruce riak um not by burkamp in fact the only thing uh, which bruce did 
in his time, in his only season as an Arsenal manager, was signing Bergkamp. And that was the best ever thing that he could have contributed to Arsenal, seriously. Um, he came in, um, he didn't really... I mean, many of them really... Um, he was rather very unknown um, to, to English football as such. Um, I still remember uh, reading an article sometime back about... I mean, from Amy Lawrence, um, where... Um, uh, Alan Sugar, how many of you guys remember him? He was once upon a time, he was the former uh, Tottenham chairman. He was yeah, yeah. Um, Carlos Kikabal. Um, that was actually the term that he used on Burkham because he was actually chuckling the fact that they had got Klingsmet at that point in time and people around them, the teams around the Tottenham are playing ridiculous lot of monies on, on uh, foreign imports which not having much talent. Because, I mean, he was he was right in some regard, just that history was much different to that. Um, um, Burkamp was signed for around 7.5 million uh, pounds at that time, which was ridiculous lot of money for an un untested foreigner. Um, and he didn't live up to his expectations at Inter Milan, uh, which which paid in our way. Um, so in, in some ways, uh, the players which... Arsenal were made up of are the players who made Arsenal really, I mean, who really took Arsenal to the top level. Um, Patrick Vieira, um, Henry, or even Bergkamp for that instance, they were all Italian rejects as such. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, um, and during that time, during that time, Italy had that, uh, had that thing, right? Like where they were like so much on defence. Except AC Milan, every other team was like, defense first kind of place and it's not a place for forward players someone who thinks forward yeah but but patrick vera should have ideally thrived in there even with their defensive uh 442 sort of a system which they have he was 20 years he was 20 year old when we signed bob he yeah, was I 20 know, year old still but still <laughs> they couldn't recognize the talent but it was all us in molding and even with the talent of all these players you know they went on to take arsenal to the next level but but yeah, so um, coming back to Alan Alan Sugar, I would like to rub it in uh, Spurs. I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, go ahead, go ahead. Um, so he he was actually just joking that Arsenal were completely mugged off um, by Inter Milan for you know um, signing an expensive flop, in form of Bergkamp, and um, some words of his were actually true because he didn't actually. Score in his first five games. He started against Middlesbrough from um, from what I could remember, um, but then um, he didn't he didn't um, score much in his first season. I think he played around thirty odd games um, and then scored about eleven goals. Uh, but what really was the difference was the season after um, um, after Bruce left. Um, when they signed an unknown um, Frenchman who couldn't Arsene really, who? Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was actually the turning point because he, what what Wenger at that point in time, I mean, I still respect him for whatever that he has done. Um, nobody could even come closer to that. But, but what he actually really saw in the team uh, in his first initial days, he saw what Bergkamp could be doing to this team. And he made Bergkamp the fulcrum of what the team was. Uh, he inherited a beautiful set of defenders, so he didn't really have to ca carry or look at the back. He had Seaman, you know, Winterburn, um, Adams, and Lee Dixon. Lee Dixon and both. It, 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 
Oh, it was it was it was an wonderfully assembled defensive setup, and nothing could even come close to that. Uh, but what he added, Flair, or, or what he added, the team was, you know, the attacking setup. He actually set up Vera at the back just to cut the defense, um, and then later on with, I mean, Gilbert or coming in, all those sort of things. But at the front, he he put in Henry, um, Pierce, Omans, and then Freddie Lindbergh, Bergkamp. Everybody, everybody added. Everybody added their um, style and you know their their um, things into the game. But it was Bergkamp who actually stood out from everything. Um, you could see, you could see, um, you could see that uh, the Arsenal team could never be approached when he was around. Um, um, it's also interesting to note that you know he was the most substituted player by Arsene Wenger. <laughs> uh, he was almost substituted 140 times, and Henry jokingly mentioned to Arsene that you know most of the times that the game was already won. Such was the confidence that we had. We were losing class. We were losing in such a lot of confidence that we went into games knowing that you know three points was already in the bag. It was just a matter of the what's teams. The final- the other teams used to fear us like in yeah. even in the even in the even in the dugout we we already won it even before we stepped onto the pitch we are we have won it in the dugout when they see like uh like tony adams uh, burkham seaman and uh, andre all these people there that's it the other team had no chance right there yeah no definitely i think um um Gary Neville mentioned that you know the most feared team that uh, that he had ever faced um, in his in his uh, entire playing career was actually the 2001 uh, 2000 Arsenal, and he would he would really they would they would really be you know scared to even enter into the pitch because of the because of the lineup that we had, and and nobody could have even imagined coming closer to that, and. Coming from there to seeing such a shambles at this point in time, you know, makes the whole situation. Sad. And that is why I had, I, I actually had trouble when people were comparing Ozil to Burkamp. I mean, there is talent, but there is something else that Burkamp had. Burkamp had that command, you know. Uh, Burkamp has, has respect. Burkamp yeah. has enormous team, um, you know, I think he puts in team ahead of him. That's what I see missing in Ozil because. Back at the time, there were less distractions. There was not much around any of these social media for people to boast about what they've done off the field or the other issues which are mm-hmm. actually happening at the moment. But um, but at least they they respected what the manager was trying to do and they were all trying in their own ways to help the manager, trying to get the best out of the team uh, and trying to churn the results as much as mm-hmm. possible. So um, that's something which is... Which is um, missing from the current set of players or you know i mean football in general loyalty is a lost word um yeah so um those are the things which made burkham you know i mean i could i could mention a lot of moments um the goal against newcastle um that could never be reproduced by anyone honestly um and so many other goals you know you could you could just keep every goal that he has scored almost is a wonder goal there's nothing like a there's nothing like a very ordinary goal or anything like that even the ordinary ones he makes it look uh, better um definitely so 
um burkamp is a player who's been stuck in my head for right since the time that i started watching football and arsenal in particular so as you mentioned right uh, there has been a lot of comparison between burkamp and ozil the major thing that i wanted to bring on is because right now we are talking about how ozil needs the needs the luxury he's a luxury player where he needs uh, certain things that he for him to perform but burkamp was the ultimate luxury a uh, player i mean not on the pitch but but he was a non flying dutchman he never flew so whenever there was this european championships where he has to fly he either drive or he cannot play right but still he is considered the best player for arsenal during that time if you ask any players they would say who was the best player you have played with and they would say it's it's burkamp right uh, so ellen uh what are your uh, views on like this whole non flying dutchman thing did it, did you think that uh, do, do you think that it is what affects him from being the best arsenal player ahead of thierry henry does that make him number 2 uh, i will definitely uh, yeah yes so that is the only reason like i can think like why bergamp uh, is not considered the greatest see one other thing which i'll add is like say if bergamp was able to fly right we would have won an european uh, cup long back like see, we were like as you rightly said right people are comparing ozil with bergam but but ozil needed the correct set of players we were saying he's having giroud like uh, giroud like he was saying like we are he doesn't have good cycles like uh, if he had abiyang at that time like he would have like uh, been like a biggest uh, guy for us but if you take bergam right like uh, as arun was also saying that like or i'm not sure where bob said uh, the teams were afraid of us and the reason for that is bergam like see whoever let's say whether it be pires or whether it be like kanu or whether it is be wiltord or reyes or anybody who's playing on the wings lumberg uh, mark omers or anybody for that matter or whoever is playing a striker like uh, even when the others were injured the team was playing at a very same level like waves and waves of attacks and like that is why the opposition team used to fear and one of the major reason for that is berkam see we always considered like some persons like uh, as like uh, the reason like or like we go by stats like the number of goals and number of passes but we doesn't see the influence they bring into the game like berkam right many times you have seen like he would have given the pass which would have gone to an assist mm-hmm. and if you see that pass right normally people will not make such a kind of pass like he had that extraordinary vision and like the teams which played uh, with him right like the players who played uh, along with the bergamp they learned about that vision like uh, by practice like there were a lot of practices where they were able to they were like see the invisible teams or like the teams in the early 2000 right they know what bergamp is going to do like even though that will not be like a normal pass so that the extraordinary vision is what uh, i liked more about bergamp and that is why like uh, we all have an attachment to him because he does the things which is not at all possible in a football uh, ground like and that's a very rare art i i think that's why we arsenal fans are a little spoiled seeing bergamp do all those things now we expect everyone everyone to do it right that that is what i feel that uh, as an arsenal fan we have we have been we have seen these players and now we want those moments to come back 
and that is what is pushing us into these uh, voids where when those things ha don't happen we're feeling like oh my god this is not the arsenal that i grew up with right that that is what i Actually, feel no i tend to disagree on that i tend to disagree on that because see if you take our group right we are starting to follow from a long period mm -hmm. but if you take the current majority of arsenal fans right like uh, the people who say about all the negative things in social media i'm not saying about the overall fan thing the people who talk bad in the social media they all started following after the invincible period and that was like the time where like bergam was at the fag end like uh, it was not like uh, they had seen all of this it was more to do with like they haven't seen any of this and they are jealous that we have that memory and they don't have it they want some memory for them to cherish and that is why like all these things are coming out it is not because they have seen this and like they have experienced this and they are like saying like that it is more like they haven't experienced this and they are jealous like that we have experienced that <laughs> so jealousy among arsenal fans bob you were about to say something yeah yeah now i was about to mention that you know i don't think it's wrong for the fans to expect that and to be very honest you know when a football player is actually being paid such a hefty amount towards the transfer fee as well as to cover his weekly wages and all those sort of things it is imperent that the team or the club is expecting them to perform the levels that they have been putting up in the past or whatever that the promise that they have shown in the past so it's not really wrong to expect that from um from any player for that instance and in many ways it's not it's not wrong to expect that but they expect that soon enough um for example pepe was you know um, i mean he was a decent player uh, perhaps he would never be able to match his price tag of 72 million um but but whatever it was you know fans started putting the pressure on um the price tag on him at all the time on all every kick of the ball that he has done you know they they have been putting pressure on what he is, he has to be doing or how he has to be scoring such a goal um and everybody became pundits on that you know in criticizing such a player um <clears throat> that is something which is which is not uh, which is not right um in the current scheme of things any player um you know i mean they they quickly put them into comparison as to how they have been um uh, they how they have been scoring goals in the past and how they should be score, continue to score goals in another league and then you know in a different setup which is not probably suited for them pepe um if i go back to the same example again he was thriving because he was not under any limelight and is does the the system at lille um you know they it supported the sort of things that he was doing and since there was no spotlight on him he was free to do whatever that he was even if he was not playing well for a game or two there was absolutely no pressure on him to you know keep up with that or you know go anything with that but now these days the expectation has become much more that anybody who's not been able to repeat that sort of a thing is straight away put into pressure if that had happened during the times of hanri and burkham i don't really know if they would have achieved the same things as what they have achieved now hanri um, didn't score for the first eight games and um, burkham didn't score for the first five games so in the current fans mind they were all flops after such games but time and time and what you actually do with the team or the team setup the the manager who actually puts the trust in them that's the one which makes a difference in what these guys can do 
I still believe that every one of these kids that we have, they've got the potential to rise up, but only time and ability in their side will help them get towards that. Mm. And just to add one thing, like uh, Andre's price tag was like 11 million when he joined us. 11 million in the 90s, which is more than like 72 million, whatever we have paid for Pepe now. It is actually more than that if you see the money value wise. And like Bob rightly said about like, uh, we wouldn't have gotten Andre if we had this kind of fans at that time. Hmm. But uh, but talking about the fans, Arun, we, we remember the last years of Burkamp where fans were singing one more year, every year, right? Do you see us having any other player in future or right now or any time where fans would do that to a player? That means he's a special player, right? Yeah, it's working special. It's more than special, you know, like I said, I was actually, I, I found it funny when people actually compared Mesut Ozil to Burkham because, yeah, Mesut Ozil's great. I'm a huge fan and all that, but Burkham was on a different level. I don't think I've ever seen another player have the same vision. Probably the closest one that I could think of is is probably Scholes. You know, like the the, the, the way they orchestrated play, um, it, it was, it was, Unbelievable that one man could have such vision and know everything about everything happening around him and also be at the end of things to finish goals. You know, like he was, it was, everybody always keeps talking about that one goal against Newcastle or like, you know, the amazing assists that he provides or the lobs. But people tend to forget that like when he, he wants to shoot, he can really shoot, you know, like that's oh, yeah. the, like the, the, the goals were like, it was not all three of them are very different from one another. You know, like you have to be really, 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 really good to do stuff like that. Burkamp was on a totally, totally different level, man. Like there's no, there's no comparison. Um, I, I, I do not think. Um, I, I hope. I might. It might sound controversial. I hope that Aubameyang, like you know, turns out to be that player for us when you know, like when he's at the end of his contract, the fans are really singing. Uh, one more year with us, but outside of him in the current team, uh, I, I don't, I don't see anyone you know who could even come close, close, Bi close, really close. Billion or uh, David Lewis? <laughs> I, I was going to mention pre-Barcelona Fabregas had the potential to become Burkham. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. See, when I see. say when I say Mesut Ozil is not close to um, Burkham. That means that Fabregas is nowhere close. Fabregas was great and all that, but I'm, I'm talking about that the beast called Mesodosal. You know, Fabregas, we knew him at Arsenal. He was amazing and all that. But how many times at that age was he tested outside at an international level? Not the same extent that Mesodosal was. Mesodosal, if you guys remember, 2006 World Cup, he was unbelievable. Like the, 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 the stuff that he did in a World Cup, unbelievable. You know, like so... I, I I know it might ruffle a few feathers, but like for me, Ozil was better than Fabregas and Burkamp was way better than Fabregas. Uh, right. you know? I think that, that goes beyond question that Burkamp is way above everyone. But but I was just thinking maybe pre-Barcelona Fabregas had all the elements in him to become but he, possibly he, closer to. He didn't, yeah. he didn't have that one element called loyalty, you know? So oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's the biggest of all. Yeah. 
okay yeah so yeah dennis burkham for me the, there was this quote from uh, i don't know who who said this but uh, if dennis burkham played uh, football in snow he wouldn't leave footprints that's how no, silky smooth he was and uh, i Uh, he floated you know you yeah, can you cannot he, say that about a lot of players but he was a floated i think he's one of just uh, poetry emotion he was one of my favorite and uh, that you could see from like he's the most uh, that most sketched or painted arsenal player by me uh, so i just love that guy he's so 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 awesome uh, but Arun, uh, let me continue with you on your favorite player. I know these two are favorites too, but uh, I would want to hear some other name from you. Yeah. So now that Andre and Burkamp are taken, um, the one guy who uh, you know, like I, I did not have the chance of seeing a lot of his game, uh, but but the one he he had a huge impact and like how I dealt with things. Like more and more, I knew about him. the more i read about him and the more i you know like see him uh, it was uh, now none other than uh, oh captain my captain you know tony adams <laughs> mr arsenal uh, himself just like i i cannot i cannot really think of another person who embodied arsenal as much as this guy did you know it was uh, it was the, the passion that he had um and and the way in which he was he was a natural leader you know like one that we were lacking we've been lacking for such a long time um it this whatever i'm going to say now is just based on what i've read and seen about him like not live but later but when 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 he started his career he was all of 17 years old you know like and within 4 years he was made the captain we now we all talk about like oh fabregas oh my god he was made a captain at 21 and all that Like this guy was made a captain of twenty one in that team in the eighties, you know. So and they won the title, and they won the title with him being a captain. They won the title twice, and they actually he we and again the Invincibles. We could have been Invincibles during that period, like you know eighty eight, eighty nine, eighty nine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We lost this one game, you know. Like, and in, in and there is the, there is there is a, a funny incident right there, which I heard from uh, from some podcast where uh, Lee Dixon mentions that. Uh, Uh, Tony Adams calls himself an in- invincible because during that season they lost only one game and that game Tony and Adams was, was in yeah, yeah he was he was that in was the jail really for the game. for the whole accident yeah. thing so he is actually yeah, so that, invincible it's 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 good that you brought that jail thing up because this is not a guy who was like gifted you know when you talk about all these other defenders that are considered to be model defenders model center backs Uh, like you have the Sol Campbells, you have the 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 Ferdinands, you have the Terrys, uh, but uh, but Adams was not Adams was not as gifted as these guys. But what he had was heart and a lot of passion. You know, he had amazing uh, sense of the game. He could read the game like no one else, um, and he was an amazing leader. Like I said, you know, I cannot emphasize on this. Um, like le- uh, I I have to keep emphasizing on this. I would say because. Uh, the way in which he got everybody together the way in which he made the team believe the way in which he commanded respect you know commanding respect is the primary trait and he backed that up with his performances he was really good like he had that uh, he was the, the old fashioned defender you know like someone who would go for the tackle someone who went for the ball all the time he had the power so it, he was uh, 
you know, like he was, he, he came through the ranks and he actually like had the heart to continuously improve and become better. Because if you think about the stuff that he's gone through, like you said, a guy going to prison, a captain of Arsenal going to prison uh, and, and spending a month in there, you know, like coming back with this alcoholism and troubles. And, and he was also into drugs. And I, I've read his book, like, you know, he had, he mentioned the lowest point in his career when he was in South Africa. He's like smoking a blunt and then he realizes like, oh my God, what am I doing really right now? You know, it, I shouldn't be this person doing all this. So from then on to actually accept that he had a problem, it takes a lot of courage. Uh, addiction is, is not an easy thing to overcome. You know, like I don't know if any of you guys have had uh, any addictions and overcome that. Uh, for me, him overcoming his addiction actually helped me it inspired me to stop, uh, you know, quit smoking. So that was uh, another thing, like another way in which he helped me. You know, so uh, this guy went through a lot, and given his lifestyle, uh, was was probably like going to end up retiring at 32 or 33. But then Wenger came in and and extended his career by at least two three years. You know, and in those years, he was he, he was he was still the same player that he was before in fact i think i thought he even came, became better you know like he was scoring more goals he was scoring goals for fun and uh, yeah tony adams man he's like for me like all now that we also have all this talk about abameyang being like the role model and all that stuff footballers being role models for me like uh, you might say whatever you want like him being a drunk and all that but the courage and and like you know the heart that he had to overcome all that and then think about it. You're 30 years old. You've lived a lived a life where you've been like hitting the pub like every day, going on binge drinking. And then this manager comes in. He's going to change everything that you've been doing all these years. Number one, you need to be a really, really good character to actually accept that change is not easy in any club. We, we, we're seeing that now. This manager prevented him from drinking, uh, took all the, uh, made it a dry bar. You know, like that's what they call it. That then it was called a dry bar. Uh, and he stopped all the junk food. And for someone like Adams, who, who's like very old school, he's he's been like in two, through three decades, man. He was, he was the captain in the 80s, he was the captain in the 90s, and he was the captain in the 2000s too, uh, early parts of 2000. So for someone at 30 to be able to accept a new manager without any credentials coming in, accepting is, you know, buying into it is a huge thing. And he had a heart to do it. Uh, Wenger convinced him and he had the heart to do it. So it worked well for both of them. And he got like a good six years out of Wenger, uh, out of Adams, I'm sorry. For me, when we were discussing about Andre, I wanted to bring this up as well. Like again, for the same thing for uh, Adams. Usually you, 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 you see how good a striker or a defender is uh, based on uh, the, the testimonial that they get uh, from opposition defenders or strikers. You know, when you ask a Ferdinand or a Carragher or a Terry today, who was the, 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 the most difficult striker they faced, they would definitely say Andre, number one, no one else. The same way, if you ask these guys like Shearer, you know, like all the Matt Letizias, you know, like all these um, uh, old, old timers, you ask them who was the, the, the most difficult defender they faced, they would definitely say Tony Adams. He was right there at the top. Hmm. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll put my thoughts on Tony Adams in there as uh, he... I still remember the celebration, right? Like when he scores the goal and he raises both his hands, and that's the, that's been immortalized outside, uh, outside in Emirates. It's it's so Arsenal. That is so Arsenal. When I when people say uh, the Arsenal way, 
that is what i uh, i for me it means it's not the free flowing game it's not the it's not the one nil to the arsenal it's that heart he was called a donkey for god's sake people used to call him a donkey yeah. because he was really yeah. slow and and then yeah. he scores that goal and then he celebrates in that way uh so ellen uh, what are your thoughts on uh, our captain uh as i said at the beginning of the pod i haven't seen him playing much but he is like a big influence for me because like as arun correctly pointed out like uh, he didn't have big skills he was like not good like on his personal life too like uh, but just through his hard work and like uh, his respect from the other players even with all these things he was having a respect and just with those two things he has achieved a lot and that is like a big motivational uh, factor for me like uh, because he, he is like at a very low like if you take his personal life it is at a very low like you cannot go low beyond that and with that like he was making sure none of his professional things was getting affected and he was achieving in the professional things also which is not at all easy because he is not skilled like say uh, ozil or a berkam but he was able to achieve things Hmm. that is like the biggest uh, thing from me i was like little bit like say disappointed personally because with the leadership skills he showed for arsenal uh, as a player right i expected him to do well as oh, a manager you stole my point that Dylan. didn't happen you stole my point like, uh, i was going to mention that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> No, like that is like one disappointment. I, one, I, one I, more I, thing that I want to add here is that you can talk all that you want about like the Andres, you know, like the Burkhams, Vieiras, and the Pereses, and all that, but none of them can stake claim to the fact that you know they were uh, one one club men. You know, I was. I was going to bring that point to uh, Bob, but yes, that is that is one of the greatest thing that Adams did, and. I don't, I don't think we'll ever have another player who could who'd be a one club man. I I hope we have another player uh, and we do have some really really talented youngsters and I hope that one of them take that claim. Uh but before uh, before that uh, Bob I just wanted uh, something else to run through you. Uh Adams was a number 6. The next number 6 was Sendros that we had. No one else was given number six, <laughs> but Sandros got a number six. <laughs> How cruel was that from Wenger? <laughs> Actually, I, if you compare in hindsight, you know, Burkham was a number ten, and then Gallas took that up. Yes, so. I was about to say that it's actually <laughs> but, but, better than like but, you know but, William Gallas taking number ten. But it was not directly after Burkham, right? That is that is my that is my thing. here after after uh, tony adams left no one else got number 6 the next person who got number 6 was senderos but uh, jokes um, aside if you look um, the, it, 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 if you look at from that time you know so uh, it was we had already peaked up and whatever that um, was said to be done by arsene is you know try and do some transition and then put some more lens upon the youth and one of the things that we had at that point in time was centras was there and then he was actually a bit half decent decent defender and what the board and arsene saw as a guy who's got the talent like why not give him trust him more with with 
some some of some um <laughs> that's I'm you pulling <laughs> that's you no. pulling straws right there no way sandras deserve number 6 we could have given it to no, anyone maybe else. that now no, no, maybe that number 6 of the reason why like we had that uh, big record in champions league like not considering ah. a goal like center was part of that the number Jesus. 6 might have motivated him to do that superstitions at the I'm, highest I'm, order i think you guys spoke about a lot not on um you guys spoke about a lot on what um you know what tony has actually done for arsenal and how he's been you know um how he's he's i mean he is a one club man and how he's actually taken us um but i just wanted to as well mention the influence of arsena furthermore because when arsena arrived um the clubs um you know they were all the, the players were all big egos out there and then they had their own things to do one thing which arsen um you know put record straight in the first place he actually banned a lot of things he actually changed some food habits for many of them for example um he was the first one in english football to ban ketchup from the from the kitchen um ketchup was actually a very big thing in um at that time and then you know it was obviously not nutritious when it comes to footballers diet and things because it had a lot of sugar so asin actually put a stop to um ketchup and the first thing the day that he implemented that when he was walking in the kitchen um or when he was actually passing i mean walking past the dining tables there all the players were actually vocally supporting with their uh, shouting with their knives and uh, forks on the hands we want ketchup on the table <laughs> so they were continuously banging the table and <laughs> it was it was it must have been weight of asin but i think he he actually made it really crystal clear that guys no more ketchup from going forward so um the things that's why even i mean even now um, if you look at the pandits original pandits um they respect asin for what he has done um to sport in general in england um the diet techniques and and the things that he showed off the pitch um like helping so many of them you could say tony adam for one um but then george ware um for example um he he is actually provided a helping hand for more people than what we could have imagined and that's what has helped so many of these players put their career back on track and then go on to achieve the things that they have that's the, that's the beauty of what asin has done to a club and the, that's the beauty of what you know arsenal is for the rest of the rest of the clubs around it's it's not just a, not what we show on the pitch yeah just one more thing that i'd like to add on there like when i since i was talking about tony adams is that his presence made life so much easier for wenger when he started his career you know uh, the the fact that they had a very settled backline with probably like you know the best one of the best center backs in england they didn't really have to worry about he didn't really have to worry about def- the defensive part of things at all the winterburn yeah all four were great yeah, during that time had like yeah and and you had like martin kean as a backup so wenger really didn't have to worry about the defense at all and that was due to the fact that like you know he inherited this and that was and he had this like, amazing player amazing guy with them so mm-hmm. that was again a huge part of the success it's it's Actually, fitting that i wanted to add uh, yeah go ahead alan go ahead because no no go no, ahead no, i ahead. wanted to add the same thing like no i want to add the same thing tony adams played a major role on us becoming invincibles he was not part of the invincible but he 
was the one like who did all the basic uh, groundwork like say the attacking team which we formed everything was because of the defense like which tony adams was able to like uh, maintain or like uh, was able to like achieve with the fellow players like that was the reason why we were able to create such a kind of an attack and that resulted in the invincibles for us hmm, yeah actually i think uh, andre mentions that uh, andre mentions that it is it is uh, it is the it is a it is a room with tony adams and all these like nigel winterburn uh, bold and all these all these stalwarts in the, in the dressing room that made him to be the bigger player that he is so yeah it is it is fitting that we talked about all these three and they have all these three have their statues out of, outside emirates so let's hope that uh, some of the future players of us uh, maybe our current number 6 could do what our old number 6 did and become a huge uh, huge huge change to arsenal uh, talking about change we do have a game this week in hand uh, against leeds united which i am dreading especially with yeah. <laughs> with all the internationals and stuff um so we'll just uh, touch upon it a little bit especially after the aston villa game uh, what are we expecting from from this game uh, uh, bob what what are your expectations <laughs> on leeds game honestly i i have stopped expecting uh, <laughs> at least for some time um, until <laughs> until we throw um obviously it's just a matter of time when when the ideas come into fruition i still believe that uh, we are actually changing in the right way and we are taking it in the right way forward um but uh, but honestly i don't really know what sort of an arsenal is going to show up on that uh, day um i i'm just hoping that they are the defensive or right defensive forward. arsenal or super defensive arsenal is that what you are saying What sort of Arsenal um, is going to show? They have to be defensive because Wales' um, um, team is set up to, you know, press high on counter attacks and then they try to score a lot of goals against opposition. But uh, but it would be interesting to see how they can uh, get an inspiration to score goals. Um, that's that's the one which I'm really looking forward for. Um, I have some confidence at least in the current crop of players. i mean forget about the aston villa game but but i have some confidence that we have we've achieved some sort of a solidity at the back and we would continue to do that um but i'm not sure how we are going to score goals up front which which would be the biggest question so a nil nil draw that's is that what you're saying a nil nil draw as a fan i'm still hoping for us to win um perhaps i'd be i would be very cautious to put forward uh, a 1-0 win um that's the score that i'm thinking of i still think we can we can we can uh, beat leeds um but uh, uh yeah i i'm not able to i'm not able to predict any more than that i i <laughs> think we will actually there will be a reaction from this team and they will bounce back from the aston villa loss of course there will be a lot of learnings and manager has got a long time over the over the international break to try and get its strategies ready for the second half of uh, the the you know the <laughs> or the second part of the season um so i hope he's got the right strategies to put a team in place um to gain a result against mm. leeds 
that is that is that is too too early to call a second part of the season it's just eight games in ellen so let me come to you what are your expectations you four half actually i mean <laughs> ellen you are a fan of bsla so i, I want to know like yes. what is your what is your take no uh, the first thought that comes to my mind is like this is a very very bad week to play against leeds see any other week right like we could have competed even more like but this week was like very difficult uh, for us to compete because bisla's team right they are more like a mission like uh, they fail like if you see the leeds history under bisla the very first season they fail in the second half because of like too much of pressing and everything and the players were like finding it difficult but like after that right like through the normal uh, practices or the training uh, patterns and everything right like uh, they have made all those players as missions even if you see the new players right they might have been like the uh, costly signing made by leeds but they won't start like at least a month or like uh, six weeks uh, time because bisla wants them to come to that level of fitness then only he will start them because he wants like all the players to play for the team and they do the complete pressing and the, what you call as like bisla's press uh, so The teams, right, that are going to play against them, they also have to be like, uh, yeah, business one. Uh, like they also have to be like hundred uh, percent fit to compete with them. Because like even if you show a little bit of like uh, tiredness or anything, they will punish you. That's the team. Like uh, not leads. Like all the business teams are like uh, that. Uh, saying that, right? Like if you see uh, the things, right? Where we need some defensive solidity, we are not going to have El Nani. Yeah, I'm not saying Elneny is like a big attacking player, but I am saying like as a defensive stability so that Partey can roam freely. But like he, he is not now not available for uh, uh, the COVID reason now. And if you take uh, Tierney and Saka, right? They have both played like three games in this international game week. Like, uh, see, three games normally in international game week is fine, but like if you see the entire season from say September. we are playing like two games a week uh, and most of these players right they are playing majority of the games and now add to that another three games now and uh, if you take auba like he is also playing continuously except for one or two games and uh, he was like standard in an airport for six hours like see see that's not a big thing but like when you take all the things like two international games and like he like then uh, uh, this thing like so we are not sure like how much like he will be like fit on that day because see we have seen in the past also like after international break arsenal struggles because of all these reasons like the players will not be that much like uh, active or like they'll be like little bit subdued on that day and a team against leeds right like uh, that might backfire a lot i'm worried like whether we'll have a proper 11 with a proper bench because of Mari. all these uh, i think maris back the brazilian players uh, <laughs> yeah but like again like that will be his first game even if he plays that's why like i'm worried let's like, see the brazilian players right they'll be coming late uh, and we will not have villian also for this game definitely because he has gone to dubai we and, don't uh, want villian for any game <laughs> yes yes that is true and there is another thing that was like i was thinking like uh, because like i was not in the last part but like when i thought right like uh, what arteta will do like to come back from that loss like uh, see the issue here is arteta is going through a structure or like he's saying like this is the way we are going to play and if he now comes and says like we have lost against villa this bad and we need to change it that will like see if you see this team right they have a huge respect on arteta and that will go off 
so he cannot change like everything or like he cannot change too many things but if he doesn't change right the results are not going to help as you rightly said it's like whether we are going to play defensive or whether we are going to play super defensive because arteta's uh, uh, way of playing is like we should not lose only it is not like uh, this thing so with auba like not uh, going to be 100% fit saka is going to like played three games like all these things right i am worried like how we will score a goal so for me like see if our defense like whatever we have seen this season so far if they play the same way it will be a 0-0 or i as a realistic person think like leeds might defeat us but as a fan i want us to win but mm-hmm. i think like this week is a wrong week to play leeds and leeds might defeat us mm, okay arun so pepe might get a chance to play this game and definitely that... pepe will start uh, william will not definitely start, given that william is not there nelson uh, yeah nelson will not be started by uh, arteta so pepe will definitely start that's good news for you arun come on go ahead start to us about Yeah, I mean, like it's not just about one person, is it? Like the way in which the team has played. Uh, That's why I said we we are getting Mari back. That's another of your favorite person. So yeah, Mari get Pepe. Mari back, get like Luis back, get everyone back. It's not going to make a difference for this game. I don't I don't see us winning it realistically. Uh, it's either going to be I feel it's going to be like a high scoring draw or we're going to lose. You know, I I really don't see us winning this game. uh the players are not fresh uh, they're coming back off an international break uh, nobody is like they're extremely tired uh it, it's going to take its toll at some point in in time during the season you know and it, it's it's definitely going to take its toll now uh, and in this situation is where a guy like pepe comes handy because he's hardly been playing this season and he's <laughs> going to probably make a difference so he will be my wild card if at all anything goes uh, other than the results that i said it would be probably because of him you know so outside of that i don't i don't see anything else happening yeah i'm not too confident about it yeah. so uh, a score score prediction score i think it will be either a 2-2 draw or we just like you know lose 2-0 or something all right that's uh, that's good i think that will be the end of uh, today's episode thank you guys uh, it's a nice one as always to talk to you catch you after the game against leeds bye bye and that is the end of the pod for more arsenal related content please like subscribe and share to the awakeners podcast see you next week arsenal!